0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the College Unlocked podcast, where we are here to demystify the college application and college admission processes. We're your hosts,
1: Alice and
0: Jordana, and we're going to go ahead and help you unlock your college potential.
1: Let's get started.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the College Unlocked podcast. Today, we are going to be chatting about some of the developmental um, impacts of COVID as it relates to students who are going to be juniors and seniors in the next few cycles. We have seen that COVID has had a significant impact, not only on the ability to make friends in classes and be in the classroom learning for a lot of these students as they started high school, but a lot of the actual experiences that students have navigating their freshman and sophomore years of high school has been really impacted as a result of the pandemic. So we're gonna talk a little bit about how students who started high school in the pandemic are faring now and some of the trends that we've seen amongst students who are going to be graduating in the next two years, having gone through high school in this sort of mid-COVID, post-COVID world.
1: So a lot of what happens when when kids first start high school, um, they're building all new relationships. Typically they've gone to a, a junior high or a middle school And their high school is going to be a merger of multiple junior highs and high schools i mean uh, middle schools and so you've got a bunch of new relationships that are being built old relationships get broken students and and rediscover themselves we kind of redefine who they are this is their chance to do that and the students that were at home for the beginning of their high school careers really didn't get a chance to do that so they really missed out on Some of the transitions that are really important one of them being the transition to self-advocacy this is a a time when they start advocating for themselves we see parents start to step back and, and students start to step up they miss the idea of developing their social iq during this how to make new friends how do things get established and their decision making got impacted more because they didn't get a chance to make those decisions rather than the fact that they um that they're incapable of making the decisions. They didn't get to make the little ones Uh, and they didn't even get the experience of getting on that larger campus and saying, how do I navigate my time from one place to the other? So those are kind of some of the issues we're going to talk about today and kind of expand on them as we go along.
0: One of the other pieces that was, you know, significantly impacted as Hollis was starting to get at is the ability for students to establish new relationships when you do get that mixing and mingling of various middle schools merging into one high school, that's a time for students to branch out and make new friends and connect with people in their classes and familiarize themselves with you know older students and peers and have just different working relationships with those around them. And because classrooms were on Zoom, They didn't have the opportunity to have you know little side conversations with those in their class and really get to know them or see them during passing periods or brunch or lunch or recess or whatever you know the bell schedule works out to be and so students really finding their friends and branching out beyond those who were already familiar was something that was really significantly impacted another part that was really you know seen as impactful for students was the isolation They're spending all their time in the the four walls of their home um, with their families who are also working from home and any siblings. And it can feel very isolating when students do not have the ability to like go outside and expend some of that energy. And so one of the things that we are seeing as a huge trend that students are, are talking about more and are itching to talk about is the importance of that community. It's something that students didn't recognize fully until it was taken away from them. And now we're having more and more students, especially as it relates to writing the personal statement and the essay process, wanting to talk about the importance of their communities in in terms of shaping who they are now. And so students are, in a sense, a reflection of those around them. And if they are learning who they are through being around other people and they didn't have the opportunity to be around other people during the pandemic, they are also grappling with their own sense of self as a result of this, too
1: and conversely the parents didn't get a chance to start doing that separation from the student and developing their sort of identities as beginning to transition to that idea of being an empty nest beginning to let go of students you know in fact they fell more and more into that pattern of not recognizing that their student has developed so the students developing i mean they're growing up as much as we'd like to stop them from doing that they didn't stop getting taller they're Voices changing, everything that goes on with puberty and adolescence didn't change, but the dynamic around how the parent related to the student also didn't change where it normally would have started changing. So I think parents are also suffering this kind of loss and sort of a switch went off when things opened up, and they're struggling with that as well, in all fairness with them. Um, But that's not the only thing they're struggling with. They're also struggling with time management. You know, the first two years, there was a lot of, eh, well, schools had different block schedules. Things were very easy in some cases. In other cases, they weren't kind of depending on where you were. There was uh, lowered standards in terms of what was expected in terms of homework, what was expected in terms of dialogue. But not only that, all of the extracurricular things, the sports, the activities, the clubs, all the other ways in which a student begins to define who they are as a person was missing and the time management that goes along with that. Learning how to um, do a day that starts at, you know, if you're in marching band at some of the high schools, it starts at 6:45 a.m. And if you're also in a sport after school, it goes until 8 p.m. and still getting your homework done and doing all of that. So one of the things that we're definitely seeing is that our juniors, our, our rising juniors, and our rising seniors are certainly struggling more with time management. And how we see that is with continually rescheduling meetings, not being able to complete assignments, um, finding themselves really struggling at the end of the semester to get all the work made up, um, finding lack of sleep, um, high stress is all coming out with all of this. And so, you know, this is something that I think that as parents. Uh, become more aware of this because sometimes the students aren't aware of it the parents come maybe helping them with you know sitting down with a plan and talking to them and we'll talk a lot more about suggestions we have later on as well but this is one where i think really um there can be a lot of intervention that can help pretty quickly with doing things um i also think you know relationships deeper relationships got got lost as well
0: yeah um in terms of the all of the social experiences that happen in high school. One of the big things is that social cues are also largely developed during this time. And when students aren't interacting with one another, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, are, are missed out on because students don't have the opportunity to take advantage of those, oppor- of, you know, the experiences around them. And so for a lot of students, their first ever romantic encounters happen in high school. And when they're, again, learning from Zoom, as opposed to getting to know their classmates and wanting to ask them to the dance or ask them out on a date, um, those experiences, which can be big learning experiences for students socially, are totally glossed over and, and aren't happening. And so they're going to college now with a gap in their social cues and the social awarenesses is what we're seeing. Um, and
1: so- Let's get real and let's get frank. It's not just about those social cues. It's about the romantic social cues as well. So students and freshmen, you know, usually first year and sophomore year students, you know, that romantic thing is that first kiss, that holding hands, the idea of calling someone a boyfriend or girlfriend sex really doesn't start coming into it, I think, for most students until they start getting in junior and senior year of, undernat- you know, there are some who are earlier developers, some who are later, but there are definitely students when we start talking junior and senior high school, so start, start, you know, acknowledging more of a sexual nature of a relationship, more of a physical nature of a relationship, but that transition happens a lot more naturally when it starts with you know hey we're going to walk next to each other we're going to hold hands we're going to share that first kiss and then it, it has a chance over those four years to start develop into something that by the time they get to college they may be they may be ready even if the you know the the parents may not be ready the students are quite often ready and we're not talking about the morals of whether or not a student chooses to or doesn't choose to although that plays into this as well without that development of being able to make those decisions so that we've kind of jumped from that, high, that junior high sort of giggling behind the hand crush right to the more intimate relationships that happen as students get older. We've kind of missed for this group that time of being able to do that. And, and so it's not just the standard social cues that get developed, but it's also these relationship ones. And I think that that's going to continue to manifest in college. And I think that, you know, students feeling free to have uh, frank discussions, um, if not with their parents, with some other, Uh, adult structure. I think the kids aren't going to be able to advise each other because they've all been through this. So I think, you know, feeling comfortable speaking to someone about this and being ready for what that means in terms of college, I think is going to be really important because, you know, as much as we like to stop their development, hormones play a really big part in this. And again, hormones didn't take time out because of COVID. (laughs) What did happen was that development that did as well. So I think that, you know, that's something that we it's gonna be really interesting to see. I don't think we really know the impact yet of what that's gonna mean for relationships in college or even marriage relationships or relationships that are long-term, whether that's marriage or domestic partnership or having children together, you know, I think that's gonna be one of those challenges going forward.
0: Totally. Um, and now that we have sort of talked about the developmental impacts of the pandemic, we're gonna kind of shift a little bit to talking about how students are quote unquote, making up for this opportunity now that COVID is we're largely past, you know, the bulk of the pandemic. Now, of course, you can still get COVID. It's still floating around out there, but um, people can navigate it a little more easily now, now that we're in 2023 and and all that. So um, all of that to say that students are now feeling like they need to catch up for lost time and how they're doing. So is they are over scheduling and raising their expectations on themselves and bending themselves backwards and twisting themselves into a pretzel to meet the expectations that they think colleges have over them and for some of those things colleges still do have high expectations for students the applicant cycles have not gotten any less competitive they're still you know seeing record numbers of application volume and so colleges are kind of for the most part sticking with the status quo okay um but- they
1: wanted to go back to Normal, whatever the heck normal was. (laughs)
0: Right. But students are not at that level at this point. They think they can get there by taking more classes than they need to, by playing games when it comes to making up coursework or um, game playing when it comes to, you know, trying to boost their GPI artificially and things of that nature. But um, we need to remember that, like, humans are still humans. We do not want to cause more stress than what a student is reasonably able to manage in a healthy way for them. A little bit of stress, a little bit of tension in your life is okay sometimes if you know how to manage it. We are not saying to all of a sudden get lazy but students are not ready because they haven't had experience with that amount of work when they still want those aspirational schools to be receptive of their application and sometimes students just aren't there and that is okay but we need to find opportunities for them that are going to be receptive of what they're bringing to the table without the student having to bend over backwards and cause more stress than they can handle. Another thing that we are noticing again is this obsession with test scores. Now, majority of schools have sort of stuck for the most part with what policies they adopted during the pandemic. There have been very small instances of schools Changing their testing policies in the last year or two, um, but for the most part, schools made conscious decisions to change their testing policies when COVID really kicked off. Whether that was going completely test-free, like the UC and CSU system, doing tests optional for the foreseeable future, um, some of schools are even doing like six-year pilot programs. In which case, we are still in that the middle of the six-year program, and so really we do not need to be obsessing over test scores still
1: it is Although i a- will say that it's making the game more difficult yes because there's a difference between schools that are test optional and it makes no difference than their test optional uh northeastern i'm looking at you um for example boston university uh who is also who's kind of like they're they're in alignment with their core values and saying test optional really means test, test optional, optional. versus uh, I'm looking at schools like University of Michigan and Duke and Georgetown um, who are saying, you know, yeah, we're test optional, but we're definitely leaning leaning into those tests. And it's even more nuanced than that because let's take engineering, for example, the Colorado universities, the state universities, their state passed a law that said they're test optional by law for the next 10 years. However, if you're an engineering student or a computer science student or a math students, really those three, they're really going to, they really are leaning into more of test scores. They really want to see them. So this is very nuanced and not simple for people to figure out like when does test optional really optional and when is test optional really not optional. So I think it's it's opened up venues, but it's also made things a little more complex and it's kind of put the onus on the student to go figure that out.
0: Right. And on the whole, like for students who are you know have, have testing anxiety or are not looking forward to taking a standardized test they should not feel pressure to take the test if they don't need to they can still apply to a long list of robust schools with lots of opportunity that are going to respect that choice for them not to submit test scores and that is okay so we do not need to put all of the stress of the college application process on an SAT or an ACT score now there are some schools that still require them. Uh, and for if any schools on your list that are going to be requiring test scores, I'm thinking the service academies, the state schools in the state of Georgia, Florida, MIT. MIT, Purdue, they've all gone back to requiring test scores with the application. Then, of course, that is a data point that you need to provide to the school through that test score with your application. But again, it should not be like students should not be losing sleep. They should not be having you know hair coming out of their head um or not being able to keep food down or anything like that because of the stress they feel over testing okay and i know that this is going to get worse as students hear more and more about the changes that are being made because college board and the act are going to be very um very much in their ear about taking tests and optimizing their opportunity with things like digital sat digital digital act but we need to remember that this is just one element of the application and we need to let students find the opportunities within that if they want to.
1: And I think it's important to recognize that those are marketing efforts of those organizations as they're losing business, even though they're nonprofits, they still need to keep what they bring in up. So they're going to market harder and make it seem more important. They're not the only ones though, that are setting up this perception that these students have fallen behind and things are bad and we're lowering standards and how could we possibly do that? There's a lot of people outside of this process. Um, you know, I live in a, an active senior community and boy, I'm hearing a lot of this that that we have to lower standards because these students just didn't learn. Well, we need to reverse that. We society failed them in giving them the opportunity to learn. Um, and we need to provide support systems for them. We need to acknowledge mental health and give them support in mental health. I mean, this, what we're saying in all of this is you need if you're a parent you better be checking in with your kids let's make sure they're okay let's make sure the anxiety and stress that they're handling over this isn't just no, normal senior or junior anxiety but is actually significant mental health and, and i can tell you jordan and i talked about this a lot after our meetings that our students are not okay many of them are struggling with things that they weren't struggling with before and in 17 years of doing this that i didn't see students struggling with before Jordan, you made a really good point when we were prepping for this, when you said that you know the juniors and seniors, the kids who were juniors and seniors during the beginning of this were saying, hey, we, we miss prom, we're gonna miss our graduation, we miss those normal milestones, ooh, boo-hoo for us. And, and I'm trivializing it right now and I'm not meaning to, but putting it in perspective, yeah. right? You know, Yes, they missed out on what would be normal goals and accomplishments, but they had gotten those transitions and had gotten that support. The kids who started as first years and second years, they really missed out on not just what the milestones that they would have, but significant developmental milestones and educational milestones. And we as a society pulled the back switch and said, everything's open. Time to get back to real. So I think we want to now talk about suggestions that we think are real that will help them do that.
0: Yep. And I think the first suggestion that we have is to just be honest with your students. If your student is expressing to you that they are not doing okay, we need to be receptive of that. We need to ask what the roots of their problems are and figure out how we can help them. Um, We also need to recognize that while they might not be doing okay, schools have not necessarily adjusted their expectations of what they're looking for. What we said before is that the schools have stuck kind of with the status quo and sort of embraced whatever normal means and it's okay that students are not meeting the expectation that those schools might have for them because there are other institutions and other schools that will be receptive to who those students are. We just need to take again pressure off of students and find the schools that are going to meet their needs in whatever shape those needs are, right? If it's mental health support, if it's academic advising support, if it's access to things like internships or whatever it is the students are looking for in a way that is healthy for them and not continuing to load pressure onto students. So being honest, having open conversations and keeping judgment outside of it. Like we are not here to judge students. Parents, you should not be judging your student or, having any kind of visible response or reaction when it comes to your student being vulnerable and honest with you. Um, And so we want to make sure that students feel like they are being heard and that we can find solutions for what they are going through. Um, One other thing to note that's important is this is affecting students of all demographics. All socioeconomic statuses, all racial statuses, all gender statuses, anything that is used as part of an identity students are affected it does not matter what they look like where they come from but we also need to recognize that students can ease more easily navigate their struggles and stress if they are coming from a place of privilege right we do need to recognize that that students who you know might not be from privileged backgrounds need to approach their situations probably a little bit differently uh, because they're going to need to have a little bit more of the self-advocacy in those moments because they might not have the supports around them to help relieve some of that stress. So it is important to recognize that students who come from a place of privilege are certainly able to you know, navigate the systems and their development a little bit differently than those who might not.
1: That's not at all to say that the kids who have privilege haven't been affected by this. It's just to say, like everything else, those that don't are affected more and have a lot less resources, if they ask for it, to available to them than the students of privilege have. I think that, so we talked a little bit about this being honest and doing this, but I think we also have to flip it and look at what does that mean for selecting and building your college list and how do you want to do that? Um, I think the reality is starting to hit some of the schools. We're starting to see schools that are less selective. So the selective schools haven't changed. Way too many applications. Um, they are going to their weight, they're using wait lists as a way to manage this uncertainty and know what's going on. There's a lot of movement in wait lists and even more unpredictability in that than ever. But if you go down a, a tier or two below that, What we're seeing is we're seeing more schools struggling to fill their classes because what's happening is students are saying i'm not ready to go to college and i'm not going to spend that money or challenge myself in that way until i feel i'm ready so we're seeing a, a lot of schools that are not meeting their enrollment goals and are staying open and are doing this as well so that kind of translates also into a little bit of of challenge of making sure those schools stay open and making sure they get their enrollment so that they continue to service people when those students are ready to come back into that. And I think we're gonna see a lot more non-traditional students, meaning those that don't come right out of high school over the next five to 10 years. We really don't know what that impact is right now. But for those who are looking to enroll in a university Either they're a rising uh, senior right now or a rising junior, and they're starting to look at building their college list, looking to enroll when they graduate. I think that, you know, our recommendation is to start looking at colleges um, that have more of a tone of cooperative, cooperation and community rather than those that are highly competitive so that they can catch up on that non-academic growth while also challenging themselves. I think there's a sense sometimes that if you late school, you're not going to be challenging academically and that simply isn't true um colleges their very nature let's look at engineering for example those abet certified program all has the same courses has the same challenging courses that they need to do so they're going to be academically challenged i think the, the thing here is to take this idea this pressure that they're failing society that seems to be coming out and their own um sort of lack of being able to be exposed to this and let them have the chance to develop that by going to a school that focuses on cooperation over competitiveness. There's plenty of time to be competitive and there are plenty of ways to be competitive within a cooperative environment and certainly those that emphasize a balanced social academic life I think are important as well. The other thing is we want to make sure that we're looking at colleges that pro- that provide social and mental health support. I think this is going to be really important. So when you're looking at school, what are the services offered? Um, If you're required to do their health plan, is the mental health services included in that? Is it separate? Um, What services are there for students who fall behind academically? Because they're developing the social part of them and ignore the academic for a little bit. I think, you know, it's going to be important to make sure what is available to them when that happened. How do they treat students with mental health? Do they support them? Do they ostracize them? Do they push them out? Um, I'm sure you can go look up the articles that Yale had about pushing students out with stuff like that. It's not just Yale, and I mentioned them, but many schools will do that. We don't want them to do that. We want them to support. And then I'm going to also talk about what parents I, are doing. Oh, go ahead, Jordan. And
0: one other note um, is whether or not students feel they need social support going into college. I do think that that's an important part of the research that you're doing for schools, as you're building a list anyway, because you know you do never know when you might need it. You might not need it as an entering first year college student, but what if you need emotional or social support your junior year if you have a rough experience, right? And you want to still know that those services exist and are there for when you do need them.
1: Right, really great point. Um, I think in terms of what parents can do, number one, we need, you need to go back and start listening and looking and yeah. reaching to where your students are rather than trying to pull your student into some place they are not. Yep. And how this goes on with, don't pile on with overscheduling, scheduling saying they have to make up everything. You know, honestly, if you're a ju- rising junior or a rising senior and piling on that stuff, that's not going to make a huge difference at this point. They, the, it, all that's going to do is add to the student stress and potentially lower their grades because they're, again, overscheduled and they don't understand time management. So we need to go to where they are. And we also need to be much more realistic in the expectations. We've talked a lot about that in prior episodes. We're gonna to continue to talk about that because we still hear about it on a weekly basis when we, as we talk to both prospective students, parents outside of the, in the community, and our own students as well. So I think this is something we really wanna do. Please start being realistic and supporting them and letting them know that that realistic decision is still something they will be very, very proud of. And I think lastly, we as a society, everyone, whether it's your child or someone else's child, We need to check in with compassion. We need to identify when they need support and if you're not a parent but you see it in someone else's child, you need to go to those parents and identify that they need support and we need to make sure they get that support, whether that's therapy, uh, executive functioning coaching, tutoring, just being a listening and compassionate ear that we need to do that. Letting them know that we're vulnerable as well, that perfection isn't what you're aiming for. What you're aiming for is growth and development. And that every one of us along every age struggles with this during time. And it's absolutely okay and normal to not feel normal sometimes. We need to normalize this and we need to stop telling them to buckle up and work harder. We need to stop telling them to get over COVID. And we need to start telling them that we love them. We love them where they are. And we want to see them grow and develop in a healthy manner. And I think at that point, almost doesn't matter what college they go to.
0: Yep. And one other thing to add to this, too, is if you are a parent or a support figure in a student's life, is that if you do notice that you are in a situation or have created a situation where your student is able to be vulnerable with you and is able to open up about the struggles and stress that they're facing, whether that's you know academic or social or a mix of the two, I think one really helpful way to start that conversation as the the person receiving that feedback from someone is to ask them what is it that they're looking for in that moment are they looking for advice or are they looking to get things off their chest because if a student is expressing frustration and stress with you there they might not always be looking for advice they might just need a place to vent and that is okay too and I know parents, we, we want to help. We want to throw all of our resources at the student when we can. But sometimes that response might be just as overwhelming as the stress that they're already going through. And so asking that question of like, what is it that you need from me as a support figure in your life? Is it help? Is it a place to just have an open ear will really help your student feel more comfortable and get what they need out of that interaction hopefully. So I think that that's a really, really good place to start. If you, if you don't know how else to help your student, let them know that you are there for them to listen to if they ever need it. And if they ever need more than just a listening ear, what advice can you give is going to be a really helpful place to start. So with that, this is some of the things that we wanted to share with you and observations that we're seeing about student development from the, the social side, from the academic side, from how it relates to them transitioning to college through starting high school during COVID. So we hope you learned something new. And we will see you on the next episode of the College Unlocked podcast. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the College Unlocked podcast. For more information on College Unlocked and our services as independent educational consultants, please visit us at collegeunlocked.com.
1: Thank you, and we'll see you next time.